countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey, it is now time for the last comic shop. Where we open the shop up to newbies in order to help them find their way under the comic book tent. And where we keep the lights on for those oldies and try to help those folks level up by, you know, talking about comic books. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith. And of course, also on today's program, the wonderful Mikey Wood. And if you're wondering why I'm talking in such luscious low tones, it is because my in-laws are here at the last comic shop. Well, they're nearby the last comic shop, and I'm trying to be as quiet as possible. Hopefully, everybody's enjoying it. It's and a very AM radio. I feel like we're going to go to a smooth jazz track from Kenny G at any moment. Yeah, it's well, all NPR. Yeah. That it's very fitting that we're talking about in-laws, because today we're talking about a particular book that has a lot of familiar connections, as well as sci-fi ones as well. It's another Brian K. Vaughn classic, and that is, of course, Saga. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples have been weaving quite the cosmic odyssey that's so right yes. and didn't it hit around 54 issues before they took their break yeah and it's, it's going to be restarting here in january so now's the best time to get into this inner family saga uh, they were on hiatus for a while and they've just come back and they were only halfway through the story and for those who don't know and we'll get into this when we get into the book more it's really the story of the baby of the girl hazel her life so we've gotten half of that, and we're getting the other half, probably her teen years. Sure to be exciting. There you go. But for today's purposes, we're going to be reading through what was released as issues 1 through 18, also known as Trades 1, 2, and 3, also collected as Saga Compendium Volume 1. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mikey, who we've had on this show quite frequently, and I will be very honest, is one of the biggest comic book aficionados I know. Like, he mm. seems to have read everything. This was mm. one book that he had not read, although he wanted to, right, mm -hmm. Mikey? What? Where was the delay? Like, why Why of all the books, you, you just never got around to Saga until today's program? That's right, Andrew. And the reason is... <laughs> no. No. <laughs> You know, I, honestly, I um, I have the first trade, and and it was just one of those things where I, I like just got distracted by other stuff. I knew it was an ongoing kind of thing. I knew it was a big long story, so I thought, you know what, I'll just hold off. Here's the thing about Saga that's kind of like, okay, so I read 16 issues in two days, and people were like, wow, that's a lot. It's actually not a lot because it moves so fast. The dialogue is so snappy and so natural. And so real that, that it just like, pop, pop, pop. every issue is kind of a fast read. There's times where I'd actually go back and say, was that actually 22 something issue? Like it's, it's quick. And, and I, I guess it's just cause his, his dialogue style and the writing style is so, it doesn't feel stilted at all. People talk like people actually talk. It's a sci-fi right. book, but it could be anywhere. Like, well, they Mikey, talk let me put a pin in where you are, because I think we might actually be going too fast right now. <clears throat> because before we get into the, the saga talk, I wanted to go back. We were reviewing Why the Last Man recently. It's also written by Brian K. Vaughn. And when I read that, my issue with that book was that it was really, really dated. And then I remembered also with Brian K. Vaughn, a few years ago, we read Private Eye. Uh, which he did through that panel syndicate, which is it's an awesome book with Marcos Martin. But reading it, it also seemed kind of dated. But then think of Paper Girls, which he does with Cliff Chang. That's a great work that feels of a time, but it doesn't have that dated feeling. And I don't think Saga does either. So before we get into Saga itself, I'm curious if you guys can help me figure out what makes sci-fi seem dated. I think of the Star Wars movies. I think everybody universally appreciates the first three star wars movies and then the sequels and prequels people are like yeah they're okay but like they don't really capture an audience like the first three did what's the difference well those, those star wars movies it's for a lot of us it's when it hits us like i don't care for the prequels whatsoever but my nephew those were his like they came out when he was five six seven you know i was i went to see the original star wars on my fifth birthday in 1978 so on a personal level and on a timing level that might be important as to when when things hit and sometimes subject matter is important too like you can look at blade runner even though it takes place in 2019 which is 
two years ago. We don't have the flying cars. We don't have it. But it still doesn't matter. You don't you don't sit there and you don't go, well, that never happened. It still feels like that is a version of 2019 that that we just never saw. It's like everything feels lived in, futuristic, but plausible. I, I don't know. There's just I, I think a lot of it has to do with that sort of thing. Horror movies are the same way. Like like the, the whole slasher movie Me thing too. is pointless yeah. with cell phones, you know, <laughs> Yeah. It's like, you know, obviously sensibilities change and, and what is construed as scary. Or, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at the original Halloween, there's almost no blood in it. And it's all about uh, suspense and, and allowing the mind to create the horror that you don't see mm-hmm. on. And, and that's why Jaws worked so well. They couldn't yeah. get the shark to work, so they had to do it without the shark. And it actually made it more scary because your mind constructs. So, but to go back to your original question, why does some sci-fi work or, you know, some of these horror movies work or whatever, I think it goes to themes. And the movies that work are the movies that go into universal themes. So it doesn't matter their time and place because they're sort of removed from a moment. And the sci-fi movies, the horror movies that are addressing, like, something that's going on in society at that moment as opposed to a universal theme of society that becomes quite dated then because well you know we've overcome that issue or people have moved past that i think i'll add as well that i think in a previous show when we talked about dune house atreides and we were talking about the difference between you know that novel or that comic book adaptation in the original dune and we i think we i think ja made the point that like dune was written by a fiction author who was writing science fiction versus somebody that was a science fiction writer writing science fiction. I think that plays into my, at least my opinion of some of the original star Wars versus the prequels. And I think, I think that some of the prequels, honestly, they become a little bit too sci-fi, you know, in, in the original star Wars, there was, you know, almost like Zen philosophy when you were talking about the force and the force was like, you know, something that you couldn't really comprehend. It binded people. It was like, uh, obviously everybody got angry about midichlorians because they tried to give a scientific explanation for something that was really more of like a universal or thematic thing. And I think that's the tipping point. Sometimes I think saga works, you know, and I'll get to this in our review later. Because honestly, while everything is just batshit crazy in this, like you got people with wings and you got giant naked giants with huge, you know, <laughs> and you've got other people that look like walruses. But at the same time, there's such a human element to all the, the dialogue that you almost forget about all the visuals. So you kind of like say, OK, this is just dialogue that can exist anywhere. Yeah. Some of the best sci-fi movies, if we think about them, too, like like um like Close Encounters or Alien or Blade Runner or the original Star Wars. or There's this vibe where it's like they don't waste time explaining the world to you. It just is. Like there's little hints to their history. They give you like a little bit of history of what's going on. But it's really just a world that's just there. And, yeah. and you're in the middle of it now. You know, so that I, they don't. I wonder, too, by the time Saga is all said and done, if I'll get tired of that. Like right now, I'm not. I'm three trades in and they keep bringing in new characters. We'll talk about that soon enough, I'm sure. But like, I wonder if it's because I never bothered to watch Jaws two or three, cause they're supposed to be terrible, <laughs> but you have seen all the Freddy movies, all the Jason movies and like all the star Wars movies. They just keep stretching ideas out and, in order to justify those movies. Like, Oh, well now we'll explain what metachlorians are. You know, now we'll explain what, Freddie's childhood was. And like, the more you do that, the less of the magic you have, because like Jay was saying, you know, you're, you're taking the unknown and making it known. And what fun is that when you know everything? Right. Well, we'll get into uh, a little bit more of this discussion right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for more of The Last Comic Shock. We'll actually be doing our review of the first three volumes of Saga, first 18 issues or first book, compendium, whatever you want to call it, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to. It's your boy, Jay West, with my co-host, Mac East, from the We Get Dub podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce. We got hot takes. We got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub podcast. It's harder than a Goku gut punch. Hazel always knew there was something special about her cat, Mooney, but she's still shocked when Mooney opens his mouth to tell her he's just had a vision. An ancient evil has awoken after centuries of sleep, and only one man can stop it. 
the legendary warrior Beowulf. Unfortunately, it's been over a thousand years since he slayed a dragon, and he's been reincarnated as this guy. His name is Victor, and he's more unemployed millennial slacker than mighty warrior. Go to monarchpublishing.net for a free sample comic. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Pile Review. Yes, that wonderful time on every single show where we read a comic book this week, or in this case, several, and now we're going to tell you about it. And, uh, of course, it is Saga, 18 issues, a.k.a. the first three volumes, a.k.a. the first book, however you want to slice it. First compendium. So this is uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. They are the co-owners, the co-creators of this massive work. Brian K. Vaughn, obviously the writer. Fiona Staples did all the art and a lot of the lettering as well. And I would just say as we get into this, and, and we'll talk about this, obviously, you know, Brian K. Vaughn is a big person in comics. I think Fiona Staples often gets uh, a little bit of a short shrift when it comes to people talking about Saga because they see Brian K. Vaughn. I would say that she's, you know, 80 or 70 percent of this book. She did all the creature design, all the the props, all the starships. I mean, everything is coming from her. And it's a very distinctive style. And it really makes the book. Because yeah. she's also having to, not the ones we looked at so much because Hazel pretty much a baby through the whole, but she she has the task of basically drawing this girl through her life across, you know, hundreds and hundreds of comic book pages and having to keep sort of a, a style that maintains. I mean, that has got to be hard for an artist over the years. Yeah. And I will say this, that um, I think I've commented on this before, that there are some comic books, I'm really glad that they're comic books and not some other medium like television and movies, because despite the advancements in CGI that we've had over the years, I still feel that Saga is a story that's best told in comic book form, just because Fiona Staples has just like unlimited creativity with that character design and everything like that. Oh, for sure. And those designs, they're just killer. Like when you see certain characters like the stock, how horrifying is the stock? Where it's this white <laughs> spider lady, like, oh my goodness. It's absolutely terrifying. And then you have the giant ogre with the balls. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but like, there's so many things where she has that knack of taking something that's just rooted in reality enough. Like, we know crt tvs and we know people that wear fancy uh regal costumes but she puts them together and it's like what the hell is that <laughs> but consistently with these characters it's like there's just enough there that you can be like okay i have a frame of reference but then it's twisted in such a way that it's beautiful and horrifying and super intriguing at the same time yeah, I think even in the first couple issues of this, uh, there's like a big battle scene and they've got these big giant like adats from Star Wars, except they're big giant turtles. And you're just like, sure, you potentially could put in a TV show or a movie. But like, wh why? When you have Fiona <laughs> Staples being able to draw these wonderful images, just enjoy the comic book. And speaking of comic book. Ten cent synopsis, Mikey. Mm -hmm. What happens in these first three volumes? Of um, Saga? Well, Saga is the continuing story of what happens when warring factions stop warring and start doing it. Um, <laughs> True story. No, but, but, oh yeah. No, uh, Saga is the story of Hazel, who is the child of uh, war. Uh, two two mortal enemies uh, are raised to be mortal enemies. Two warring factions uh, fall in love with each other and have a child. And uh, everybody wants to kill them. That's basically Saga. Yeah. Because they're different species, too. He is of the horns. That's right. She is of the wings. That's right. They make a... A winged, horned right. beast. Like you can, you can certainly look at it as sort of a metaphor for, uh, you know, what happens in the Middle East and what happens anywhere. Anytime that you have two different peoples who have been, from the time they were born, told that they're supposed to hate each other, um, what happens when they look across the barbed wire and they just fall in love? Which group gets the horns? Which one gets the wings, Mikey? I don't know. Um, <laughs> 
but like, yeah, I, and it's touching. Uh, well, I mean, again, I, I think I want to follow up with that, Mikey, because again, this is your first time. Uh, this is actually the third or fourth time I've read these particular issues, at least, because I keep on needing to start over again as they add more. I'm like, wait a second, hold on, I got to go reread these old things because, like, I forgot what happened. You know, I'm on now book yeah. six, and I'm like, I forgot what happened. But this is the first time you read it. Like, again, you've talked about how Brian K. Vaughn just writes this snappy dialogue, and it just seems to fly. Yeah. But what were your other thoughts? I, you know, you know what I really dig too is like I really like how there's not actually a bad guy. There kind of is, but then every, but there's kind of not. Like there's there's all the people that are trying to hunt the the family. Even those people have these moments where you're like, okay, I get it. Like I get them. Like I understand. I understand. You know, like the will and how he is with Slave Girl or Sophie. And there's a lot of that. There's there's pretty uh, intense moments and some scary moments and some violent moments. And then there's this, like, there's this one page with Sophie and and the cat. Lying um, lion cat. Yeah, lying yes. cat. And, and, you know, lying cat is a cat that tells you if you're lying. So it kind of comes out of nowhere. It's kind of like in the middle of all this bonkers stuff with, like, walrus people, in, which are adorable. Right. The walrus people yep. are adorable. But, um there's this moment where it's just like, Oh my God, it grabs you by the heart. And it's not like something we haven't seen before. You know, these stories are kind of they're fantasy sci-fi kind of stories and they sort of have tropes and they sort of, but it's how you mix it all together. Like, and I just want more. I want more and more and more and more and more. You know? yeah, and everyone has, you know, realistic motivations. There's not just some cookie cutter, bad person or cookie cutter, good person. They've got, everyone's complex. And I think that's what helps. And I mean, the complexity might not be super complex. I mean, they're, you know, they're side characters you don't need to know 50 issues of backstory for. But, you know, we, we talked about good sci-fi. You just put in the world and you as you go through, you're almost like Hazel. I mean, Hazel is essentially the audience surrogate through a lot of the, yeah. the first couple of books. She's telling you about what the world is and what her parents are and why it's important to her, i.e. why you should care about yeah. it. Yeah, This is going to make sense to anybody but me, but it, it sort of reminds me of uh, Mad Max Fury Road, right? So Fury Road is like a two-hour car chase from the very beginning. Right. It's like, boom, it is a car chase. And you find out everything that you need to know during the course of that car chase. They lay it all out for you. So by the end of the movie, you know who everyone was. You know what all of their motives were. You see their their character arcs and, and where they start out and where they end. And it all happens during the course of the... And it's it's the opposite of something like Game of Thrones, which had things... Like, Game of Thrones had something that I call sex position. Not sex position, but it's like... They would give you all the exposition during sex scenes. Like people would be having sex with each other and talking about what's happening in the episodes, you know, right. because the audience <laughs> needed that sort of feed. That doesn't happen. And I mean, sex happens, but like it's a, it's a grown up story. It's not saga isn't for kids. It's, it's a, it's a grown up story, but it tells you everything you need to know when you need to know it as the story progresses. And that's super cool too. I, I'm glad you brought that up, Mikey, because actually one of the parts of Saga that now that I've read it like three or four times is actually the same thought process. Not when I first watched Empire Strikes Back, but after like the 50th time I saw Empire Strikes Back and I said, <laughs> I said to myself, you know what? This timeline doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, how is Luke as great of a Jedi as he is if he spends like, I don't know. 20 minutes on Dagobah? Mm. How are like Princess Leia and Han as close as they are when they're in the same clothes all the time? So what have they been on the Millennium Falcon and the asteroid belt for like two days? Mm. All this like character developing drama is supposed to happen within the span of a week. Mm. And that's kind of the way I feel with Saga. I'm not going to give a lot of spoilers here, but there are characters in these books that meet each other. And I'm not going to say it's meet cute. It's like meet quick. Like, it's just like, okay, we got to get moving with this story. So, like, the Will and Gwendolyn, they're going to immediately have a connection. They're not only going to have a connection, they're going to become, like, mom and dad to Sophie, like, real quick. And it's just like, you know what? In real life, that happens after months or and or years. But, no, we don't have that time. We've got days. And so it, the same thing happens here with Elena and uh, Marco's dad. Like, they, they meet each other. And they have like this like 
super great connection, yet they're only together with them, each other for like two days, it seems like. I, I, I don't know. Did anybody else have a problem with that? I do not. And here's why. It's called Saga. When you want a saga, you want something that's grand and something that's epic. It's not called long, boring-ass story. It's Saga. And they've got all this different stuff going on, all these different machinations. And sure, sometimes the pace is heightened, but that's because in conflict, in times of great anxiety, in times of great pressure, like, that's where diamonds are formed. That's where, you know, the juices are flowing. And so I don't care. It's like Mad Max. If you think Mad Max too much, none of it makes sense, but it doesn't yeah. matter because it's so cool and you know all the motivations of the characters and you can feel for all the characters as they come and they give you just as much as you need. And then there's guys on giant stilts flipping back and forth yep. between cars and a guy yeah. with the fire guitar and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it, if you want that long transition from one moment to the other, I mean, go watch Silent Running, right? That's like the sci-fi version of the 1970s. You can watch Bruce Dern swim in the pond for 20 minutes. Yeah. I think what they're just getting rid of is the fact that it took a long time because they had no hyperspace to get from the asteroid belt to Cloud City. But they just they didn't show that. It's 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 well, called editing. Well, no, here, here's, here's the thing, though. Stick with Empire Strikes Back just for a second. This is to credit Lawrence Kasdan and the Irvin Kirshner. You meet these characters and they're different. It's as if they have been with each other for a year and a half or so like that. We didn't see it, but shit happened. And and you also have people who are sort of thrown into a very uh, tense situation to a point are kind of exhausted of the whole war thing going on. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say that I didn't like it. Like, I like yes. Empire Strikes Back. I like Saga. I like the fact that, to Jay's point, they do some editing with the with the narrative. It's just, again, maybe that's, like, a, a key point of all good fiction. Is like, they don't waste time with, like, hey, we all know that people develop these relationships over time. But yeah, we just want to fast forward that because all that's boring. Like all that's boring. It's we don't need to tell you that. Just know that these people are now together and you should enjoy it. Right. And when you're dealing with the, the Joseph Campbell, you know, archetypal stories, we have that shorthand built in. You know, we know about the, the young farm boy that's going to go on his quest. You know, we know about the wise and people that are going to help them on their journey and that kind of stuff. I'm okay with them taking those shortcuts. Sure. When, when I was looking at Saga, there were a couple of things that stood out for me, uh, which I, I think we've talked about a little bit. But number one was ultimately it is a family drama. Everything relatable comes from that for me, where it's like you have in-laws you know, that are coming to visit, and like the, the lead characters, the parents end up having to deal with them, and like, oh, geez, you know, they're judging. You have the babysitter, who, by the way, is a ghost to... <laughs> only exists on the top half because the rest who knows what happened it's like the babysitter's part of a family and those family dynamics i think are a great hook but another thing i love about this book is how gross and depraved it is like i don't think we've gone (laughs) far enough into this stuff sometimes it's sexy in a weird way like when, when they go to that sextillion planet and you have those legs and heads and like the will is there and they're like we'll do whatever you want and it's like that's just what i wanted to hear that's so gross but at least they leave enough to the imagination but then when they do decide they're going to cross the line oh my goodness do they leap over that line (laughs) you know they put you with the giant troll with his balls dragging on the ground Mm -hmm. you know they they give you those six trillion ladies with the the heads oh god that that freaks me out that's gonna be my nightmares again (laughs) but uh I I, I kind of you know it's funny because I wanted to mention this and, and and it sounds like I'm being silly in my usual self but I but I but I'm not I'm serious I like the way that the, the the couple's sexuality is portrayed in this book like they sound like a real couple they banter with each other they say realistic sweet sounding things to each other that actual couples would say they have like a sexual dynamic that's not it doesn't feel like it's done for a shock value thing it doesn't sound like it's done for just the sake of it it feels like a real relationship yeah it feels like like very much so 
as somebody who writes that kind of crap sometimes, sure. it's, it's hard to write people who don't sound like they're movie characters. Guy says the right thing at the right time all the time. You know, that kind of stuff. It's hard to avoid that. Well, I think that that's a major reason why Saga does work and why the family dynamics come out. I think that's why I, a, a lot of people that I've shown this book to, my wife included, they've just come away saying, yes, I need to read more. I think it's because Brian K. Vaughn writes some of the best dialogue in comic books. Like he sincerely does. Some of the lines in this, and I'm going to, he talks about like, you know, when the in-laws show up, it's like there's a uh, antithesis to the honeymoon. It's the f- week after you have your first baby, like where everything going to go wrong, will go wrong. And then the gawkers show up, the people that just want to pay their admission to see, oh, look at this young couple struggling so badly and how I'm not them. I mean, Brian K. Vaughn hits it like that. There's another scene where they go to the lighthouse and they're all hanging out together. And there's just this, this nice scene where the author Heist is sitting with Hazel on his lap and like other people are reading magazines. And if your childhood wasn't like pretty much this 90% of the time, then I feel sorry for you. Because yeah, it was just like playing games and reading books and stuff. Exactly. It was just people just enjoying just being in a very nonchalant manner. And and and, and those kind of lines, they really hit me. They really hit me. I understood what he was talking about. They they made that personal connection to me, which, again, some science fiction does not ever make. In yeah, a thousand. They get it right from the opening where she's giving birth and she's like, please back away. I don't want to defecate on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vaughn years and years ago did a volume. Uh, he did a run on Swamp Thing and it doesn't get a lot of, you know, because Alan Moore, the whole Alan Moore thing sort of overshadows it and, and thing, uh, you know, any it overshadows anybody else who writes, writes Swamp Thing. But his run on Swamp Thing was cool because it focused mostly on Tefe and family stuff. That Even early on he did that kind of stuff. Um, but I think this has more, for me, it has more staying power than Y did. Like I read all the way through Y and I liked it a whole lot, but it doesn't stick with me. Some people Y sticks to and they love it and it's their favorite book that they've ever read. And that's good because you want that sort of dynamic between some things hit some people other ways and other people, you know, who will Saga appeal to? I I think it would appeal to sci-fi people. I think it would appeal to fantasy people. I think it would appeal to, you know, because it's it's also funny. It's also horrific. It's also, I don't know. It's just like soap operas. I think the difference between Why the Last Man and Saga is Why the Last Man is very small and very contained. And then you're you you've got these little ingredients that you've put together, and then you're just seeing how the bread is getting baked, right? And saga, as it goes, it just gets bigger and bigger, and you almost need a whiteboard or something to draw all these lines, these connections, these new characters. And as we talked about, when they come in, they're not like one-offs or or, or analogous to to anything else. They are, they are completely form well-defined characters that then they're very important to the story and they grow yeah. and as as you know what andrew said is like oh I've, i'm reading book six but now i gotta go back and read books one through three again because i forgot all this because it's it, and if if you want to say put a ding on it you know or, or say well you know this is one of the issues with it is that it is very dense and it gets denser because it, it expects that you've read what came prior right it's not a book that you can just pick up midway through and start reading and kind of understand but not only are are the characters so complex but so many of them have backstories that are intertwined and it's kind of like that old thing with wolverine back in the day in marvel comics where wolverine would bump into a character he's like ah we haven't seen each other for a while and you're like when the heck did you hang out with wolverine (laughs) there's so many of those connections between characters like the will was in the relationship with the stock and you know Gwendolyn shows up and she meets the will and like all that stuff is going on and there's so many layers of complexity but it's all stuff that you know it makes sense it tracks and it makes it a yeah. really intriguing story because you want to know more you want to find out where these people are going to go what's going to happen yeah. yeah and and like Fiona Staple like in her artwork it's weird because there's there's horrific like nasty stuff but it's so pleasant it's I don't understand <laughs> like 
it's and you know what beautiful. I mean. It's like yeah, it's would, really yeah. beautiful, and it's it, it's not like if you look at some of the backgrounds, the backgrounds are almost abstract periodically, but it's pretty. Uh, I I don't I can't say enough about this book. I'm kind of glad I waited as long as I did to be honest with you. But all right, well I hope that our listeners won't have to wait very long for our rating section. That'll just be here in another minute, so stay tuned. Maybe that'll be a boring section because it seems like we all liked it, but we'll see. Stay tuned. <laughs> Has this ever happened to you? You're in bed, drifting off, and suddenly think, Who would win in a tug-of-war match between Superboy and Merlin? Did Marvel ever try to make a long-haul trucker into a superhero? How would it work out if I named my dog after a D-list supervillain? The answers in order are Merlin. Yes. And amazing. I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. And we host the podcast Ten Cent Takes a show that looks at weird, silly, and cool moments from comics and how they're woven into the larger fabric of history. Moments like the time Superman shilled for Radio Shack. When Archie got tempted by the devil. Oh, and then there was that time that DC Comics gave a superhero AIDS in an effort to be topical. It's always weird around here, but we'd like to think it's also interesting. So come with us and commit random acts of pop culture archaeology, one issue at a time. If you'd like to learn more, Head over to TenCentTakes.com. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings, where we hope to not make a saga out of this section, because we got to get to our recommendations eventually. <laughs> and I think if we uh, gushed any more about saga, uh, it would make for a boring show. So maybe these ratings, eh, they're what you expect. But J.A., what's our one out of four scale for this week? Uh, this is very appropriate. So that means our ratings will have to be spot on. Because we're going to go one out of four lying cats. Lying. That is one of the best characters in this entire series. I, I that, And that's hard to say because there's so many. But he's like the Chewbacca. Like, you just wait for Lion Cat to come back on. He's, yeah. he's a breath of fresh air with his <laughs> telling it how it is. <laughs> in any case, we're going to go ahead and start off with our Saga Virgin which was Mikey Wood on this week's show. So uh, how many uh, lying cats are you giving it, sir? <laughs> it's the only thing I'm a virgin of. <laughs> um, I'm, aye, aye. I'm, I'm giving it, how many, how many is the top that we can give it for? Four. Four. Yeah. That's what I'm going to give it. There's not anything I didn't care for, honestly. What's funny is I, I'd mentioned a couple of times uh, how fast it is. It's weird because it's fast, but it's a slow burn. It's like, mm. It almost feels like not a lot happens, but a lot does happen. I, I don't know how to explain. It's, it's the quickest I've ever read through that many pages and then stuck with me. Well, the one question I did have for you, Mikey, is and I think on previous shows, you said that you didn't like the Star Wars prequels because it seemed like as George Lucas just made everybody go to high school together. They just knew each other. And, and that happens a lot in Saga. So, uh, like, for example, like the Will meets Gwendolyn, who happens to be Marco's ex and all this other stuff. So it's got those soap opera aspects. What makes this one different than the prequels, I guess? The relationships are better. So I can almost get past it because, you know, you're talking about, like, same thing happens in every single D&D game that ever happens. Everybody meets at the same pub. Oh, you just happen to be at the same <laughs> pub, you know? You just happen to be at the same. So, so you have to get the characters together somehow. Um, right. Maybe it's just these are characters you wanted to, to meet. <laughs> these are characters that hey, you wanted well, to see. These are characters meet. where it makes sense that they know each other. There's no reason that C-3PO had to be built by Darth Vader. There's none. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> that, yeah. is a, that is a very good answer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Chad, uh, how many lion cats are you giving this? Okay, so I will say if there's one thing I would give this book, it's that it is for mature audiences. And not just because it has weird sexy parts or gross parts, but because this is a book that I feel like I don't know if our average 18 year old audience member would appreciate this book as much as somebody who's lived a little bit of life. Like I was talking about that scene earlier with the opening scene where they're giving childbirth and the pooping during childbirth. Yeah. Now that I'm a parent and I know like that's a thing that can happen. Like yeah. those are things that like, there's a certain maturity level that like helps me to appreciate this book all that much more. There's just so many things in here that make it that much fun, but I, I want to make sure audiences are clear. This is not for the kiddies. Pick it up once you've gone down the road a little bit, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. But um, I did want to mention too, Mikey was talking about Fiona Staples art. I think Fiona Staples is the best kind of comic artist. You know, her faces and her gestures are so good and so close to realistic. But at the same time, she pulls enough back in the, the cartooning aspect. It's not photorealistic at all. Like, 
there's enough uh, room for the beauty of the line work to breathe. And we talked about the character designs. Uh, you can't give Fiona uh, Staples enough credit for this. It's it, it's really great. And for me to give this book anything other than a four, I uh, the line cat would come out Sam line. So <laughs> four out of four line cats. All right, J.A., this is one of your babies. How many flying cats you giving it? So, this is the book that got me back into comics. Mm, very cool. I hadn't read comics in years, and uh, you guys had started up a previous podcast, and I, you know, I think I had come on mainly to talk about the pop culture aspects around comics, Marvel, movies, and whatnot. And I forgot how I came across it, and I just read one, and then I was emailing Andrew and saying, do you have more of this? I want to read more of this. He gave me the first five books. I ended up reading all nine up to that point that had been published. So I obviously really you know, resonated with me. And to Chad's point, it is something for people who have been there, done that a bit. I don't want to say you can't read it if you're not a parent or you're not older, but I do think that if you're post-college, you know, in your 20s, and your early 30s, you're going to take more out of it than if you're a 17-year-old who hasn't really experienced a lot of that life yet. If I would ding anything, I would say it gets a bit uh, stereotypical that the last page of every book is, is a, uh, a jump cut to a cliffhanger that you've got to wait for the next book. But that just makes you want to keep reading, so I, it's not that much of a bad thing. I, just, I don't know, you know, some could argue that that's just lazy writing. But, what, what, what? Uh, that's exciting writing! Saga, man! Saga! <laughs> right. Uh, and, and to go into the characters, because we didn't talk about it at all, and that's when I read it for the first time. Okay, the guy's got ram horns, and she's got little cute wings. You know, that's kind of stuff that we've seen before. But have you ever seen a robot prince with a television head? Right. <laughs> a prince CRT head. Some orgies with his platoon. <laughs> At yes. that point, I was like, wow, this is weird, and I like it. So yeah. Lion Cat would be calling me out as well if I said anything less than four. Okay. Uh, I think if I had rated this the first time or the second time that I read through it, I think I would have been lying if I didn't say that it was a four out of four. But I think that, honestly, I'm going to ding it slightly. I think I'm going to be the outlier and give it a 3.75 at this point. And the major reason is... Lying. is no, it's because in reading through the first three volumes again... I don't like the fact that people that you're supposed to be invested in die so quickly. There are a lot of people in the first three volumes that you get to meet for like two or three issues and then they immediately die. And sometimes very like, whoa, that happened? I'm not going to tell you who they are. But there's one in particular that just happens on a panel and you're just like, really? That guy died? Like, just, okay, fine. Like, I was just getting used to that character. I liked that character. I don't like the fact that he's dead. And I think there was more story to tell with him. And where's that story? No, they're going to bring in new characters. And so they, I didn't like that. I felt like, you know, unlike Star Wars, where I got the, the same characters and they showed up and they stayed there, Saga just kept on giving me new characters and then taking them away. And I was just like, meh, that gets old after a while. So 3.75 for me. Uh, to, to your point, though, I, I don't think they've taken them away. They've just moved them around the chessboard a bit. It's it's sort of to your comment that it's a bit like Hickman. And it goes to all those comments you said about characters being killed and, and coming away and coming back and going away and coming back. So I think some of it is we just got to see how it all plays out. Like they killed the stock very early on. But then she comes back all the time in flashbacks. Does that make you wish that she wasn't dead? Because now all you can do is see her in flashbacks. But the flashbacks are wicked scary because there's the one where she's like it's a dream and, and her body's closing in on itself. And it's it's like stitched up where the, where the energy blast blew her, her heart out. Well, as I said, that's why you can tell that like Brian K. Vaughn worked on Lost because they used to do that stuff with Lost all the time. And it drove me nuts there, too. And speaking of Hickman, uh, we've said it on the show before that Hickman is really good at sticking landings when it comes to a big, long story arc. And that's what Brian K. Vaughn's got to do with Saga eventually. And we'll see what happens with the second half of this series coming up soon. It could be like Lost, where that didn't stick the landing either. And everyone was like, what the heck did I just invest all this time in? 
I thought I love Lost Ending. But anyway. Yeah, oh, you know what I forgot to mention that was cool too? Uh, Blue Speak is really neat. It's actually Esperanto, in case you're curious. You could actually translate their Blue Speak <laughs> by using an Esperanto uh, translator. So that's kind of right. cool. Well, one thing that we're going to translate for you is we're going to find great comic books with our recommendations. Yes, every single show we give you other comic books that you should check out in addition to Saga. Because, again, we all gave a glowing review, so you should check it out. But, uh, yeah, recommendations. So we try to give you something similar, uh, something recent, something a bit out of left field or off the beaten path. Though Usually they all kind of are related to what we just read. And, and because we've got Mikey Wood on the show, he's the mm. cherry on top. So mm. he gets to recommend anything. And usually the recommendations are pretty good. So <laughs> you owe it to yourself to stick around. Why don't we start out of field, maybe, or recent? I don't know. We'll find out from Chad. There we go. Okay, so mine happened one day. I wandered into the local comic shop, and what did I see? I saw a comic book for Batman The Audio Adventures. And I thought, oh, that's neat. They're doing a Batman comic that's like an old-timey radio serial. But what I realized was that comic book was an advertisement for a podcast. And that podcast was something that appears on a video streaming service. It doesn't really do podcasts. But that video streaming service is promoting this podcast in this comic book about a comic book character named Batman. And it was super weird and it blew my mind because written and directed by David McNicholas, who is a Saturday Night Live writer, it has tons of SNL alum. You've got uh, Chris Parnell, who if you're an Archer fan, he's the narrator. You've got uh, Jason Sudeikis, that's right, Mr. Ted Lasso himself is the mayor. Uh, Keenan Thompson is Commissioner Gordon. You get people like Brooke Shields coming in as Vicki Vale. Ike Barinholtz is Two-Face. Jeffrey Wright is Batman. Uh, Seth Meyers is on the show. Alan Tudyk. You get all these famous people. They're on this uh, streaming podcast, uh, which is 10 episodes on HBO Max, which you can't listen to anything beyond the first two episodes on a podcast provider because modern media doesn't make sense. But they also had a pretty cool comic book written by other comedians like people like uh, Paul Shear. Bobby Moynihan uh, and has art by people like Jay Bone. There's a good chance you might be able to track this down at your local comic shop. It's Batman the Audio Adventures. It's all really weird. And I don't understand how media works anymore and why people from Saturday Night Live are making a Batman podcast that's like, it's a radio drama. It's not like super duper funny, but there are parts that are funny. But like, why is this happening? And why is it happening on HBO Max? You know, isn't Saturday Night Live NBC and Peacock? Like, so, what? what is going on? So my only question is, if you get five proofs of purchase, do you, like, get a mail-away action figure? <laughs> there's, there's nothing to purchase other than this comic book that, like I said, I just stumbled onto. But it's neat that it's happening. This might be the future. We might stumble into comic books that are advertisements for comics that are advertisements for a streaming show that's actually a podcast on the streaming video service that's actually been advertising a comic book character that brought us to the comic book shop in the first place. <gasps> All right. Well, I think I'm going to go next, and I'm going to provide us with a similar pick. Again, I think they're all similar on today's program. But I, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite sci-fi-related superhero comics. It was one that I really grew up with. And uh, at a recent show, I was able to track down the original Nexus. Yes, the original Nexus graphic novel which was, again, by the wonderful Mike Barron with Steve Rude Art, still one of my all-time favorite artists. And uh, for those folks that, that have never experienced Nexus before, uh, it really is the story of a somewhat adult version of Space Ghost because he's basically a superhero that exists in space. He has weird dreams in which he has to go and avenge and, and kill horrible people in the universe using these godlike powers, which and evidently destroy suns. So it's really weird. But he has all these... Uh, you know, folks that he saves from various planets and they come to live with him and they've got to set up a government and the one guy's named Dave. Everything kind of turns sideways when a reporter named uh, Legia comes to uh, kind of investigate what's going on with this mysterious character known as Nexus. 
And uh, they fall in love as they do. And you get a little bit of his origin story and how his dad used to be a dictator and all this other stuff. But now he's got to avenge the universe. And uh, you read it for the Steve Rude art. I won't lie, because it's just absolutely gorgeous. Even though it's of the early 80s, it's got a timeless quality to it that it's just clean. It's crisp. It's wonderful to look at. So if you like superheroes, yet you want to make that jump over to a sci-fi comic, I think Nexus is a good place to start because it kind of melds those two things really well together. Well, since you went from superhero to sci-fi, I'm going to go from sci-fi to superhero uh, with a recent book by Jason Aaron and Dennis Hallen with art by Stephen Green. This is Sea of Stars. Basically, it's what happens when a recently widowed space trucker decides that he wants to get away from it because his wife has passed. So he's going to take this job as a long haul space trucker and uh, nothing ever happens in space. It's boring. You're just long hauling it across the universe. So might as well bring your kid along. We all know what happens then within the first Two pages of the first issue, a giant space whale attacks them, and this kid starts to manifest power. And then you get some talking space monkeys who ride space dolphins. And it's just fun and exciting, and uh, it's sort of like the never-ending story mixed with uh, something that Miyazaki would come up with. Ah. And yeah. unlike Saga, it, and it's it's good for all ages. So this is one that you can share with your, your budding space pirate 10-year-old. Oh, very <laughs> cool. All right, Mikey, what's the cherry on top this week? Um, it's almost the R-rated version of J.A.'s pick, really, if you kind of think about it. Uh, I'm doing Fear Agent by uh, Rick Remender and Tony Moore and Jerome Opinia. But it's uh, it's phenomenal. Um, it's the story of Heath Houston, and he's a, a space, um, I guess, a bounty hunter or like an exterminator. I don't know. It's hard to explain. But it, it's a uh, it's rollicking, good, fun space adventures. There's many volumes. There's also Tales of the Fear Agent. Um, I have the two gigantic fat hardcovers um, signed by Tony Moore. Yeah, there. It's just a fabulous book, and everybody should read it. Yeah. I, no, I, I can't agree more. I mean, that was the first time that I was introduced to Rick Remender as a writer. And uh, again, it was really weird because I came into that thinking it was going to be just like a, a Ash Williams from Army of Darkness meets Flash Gordon because he was kind of like a heavy drinker. Yeah. You know, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. And, uh, and instead, it, it the further that series goes on, just like the more and more crazy it gets but at the same time also in some ways depressingly bleak Sisyphus pushing the stone up the mountain like everything that happens is just like oh my gosh and by the end of it you're just like thank goodness this is (laughs) this is over because you you need that conclusion to this story because again lots of bad stuff happens to to Heath Houston yeah he goes through a lot (laughs) <laughs> it's got just aliens like, and monsters and ray guns and all the all that wonderful beautiful stuff you just have it's it is truly r-rated it is not for the kids for sure yeah. but one thing is for all ages is always the last comic shop we try to bring you comic book reviews every single week that appeal to all kinds of folks whether it's again a show with saga or whether it's a show like last week when we did panel pals with uh, batman Fortnite zero point Like, we always got something for you, so keep coming back. And you can do that by rate, reviewing, and subscribing over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can find all of those variety of outlets that we uh, will show up weekly. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Stitcher and Spotify and iHeartRadio and YouTube and Pandora and Amazon Podcasts and a variety of other places. And if you are nice enough this holiday season, make sure that you get out to one of those places and leave us a five-star review. We would really appreciate that present to keep our Yuletide spirits bright. There you go. And if you want to continue the conversation about any of the books that we've been talking about, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Last Comic Shop, on Facebook, 
LS Comic Shop Podcast. Or if you're not sure where those places are, you can always go back to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. What else can they find there, J.A.? Uh, we've got links to our merch store where we've got a special, our Christmas-themed Last Comic Shop t-shirt is now available. So make sure that you get them as a stocking stuffer. Perfect for the comic book lover in your life. <laughs> Ooh, that's right. And while we might be the last comic shop podcast, we actually don't want to be the last comic shop. So we encourage you guys to go out uh, to your local comic shop. If you need help finding uh, a place like that, you can go to the comic shop locator at www.comicshoplocator.com, where you might find a place that stocks Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, or a place that stocks Nexus by uh, Mike Barron and Steve the Dude Rude. Or you might be able to find Sea of Stars or Batman, the audio adventures, the comic book. Maybe you want to listen to the the podcast on HBO Max. Maybe you want to figure out how the heck media works and explain it to me. I'd appreciate it. Or you could always just go back and check out Fear Agent, uh, which will be waiting for you at your local comic shop as well. And what we wish was at comic shops, but unfortunately isn't, is the wonderful work of Mikey Wood. He mm. is a tremendous Pittsburgh comic book creator, and his work is available, though, online. So, uh, Mikey, where mm-hmm. can they find your work every single mm. week? Actually, uh, well, you can order the the two trade paperbacks of a uh, comic series I did my, nine million years ago on Amazon. You just uh, One's called Hate Your Friends, and one is called Pack of Lies. You could also read some fun stuff on graphite.com, such as El Phantasma. And uh, recently I saw a couple of like the Ashcan versions of Hate Your Friends on eBay for like a lot of money. And I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know if they sold or not, but I'm not seeing any of it. But, you know, <laughs> that was kind of neat. It's kind of cool. Secondary you know? market, Mikey. The yeah, secondary somebody, market. Somebody's like, these have to be worth something, you know? <laughs> Well, in case we don't see you before then, happy holidays, Mikey Wood. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on to one of our shows around the Christmas season and spending some time talking comic books with us. We hope to have you back again in the upcoming year. And until next week, I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott, as well as Mikey Wood. And until next week, stay safe, stay sheltered, and remember, if you happen to land on a planet... Filled with trolls with giant dragging ball sacks. Remember, it is actually just an egg of an even bigger monster that might swallow you up whole. Yeah. So don't complain about the giant ball sacks because there's always something worse. (laughs) As my daddy always said. The last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production. <laughs>